0: One feature of every election home stretch is celebrity campaigners. And in this edition of CNBC's Speakeasy podcast, we talked to one of them, the singer, actor, and songwriter, John Legend. We met in Florida where Legend came to promote the ballot measure known as Amendment 4 to restore voting rights for 1.5 million felons who've completed their sentences. Over drinks at the Abbey, an entertainment venue, we talked about his interest in criminal justice reform, in defeating President Trump, and why he's active in politics at all. I'm fascinated by uh, the mix of things that have been in your life. Mm -hmm. Music, obviously, but also politics and also business. Um, When you were little John Stevens, what did you want to grow up to be?
1: When I was little John Stevens, I wanted to be quite a few things. One of them, I wanted to be a musician. I, I loved playing the piano. I started when I was four. I started playing in church when I was... Uh, pretty young I was singing in the church choir and I would watch you know the Grammys I would watch some of my favorite artists on television like Stevie Wonder and I wanted to be them I wanted to be doing what they were doing also when I was a kid I wanted to be president
0: (laughs) at at Uh, what age did somebody tell you that you've really got something in terms of your voice
1: well I think it's really a great place to develop in the church uh, because you have opportunities to sing for people uh, at a pretty young age. Uh, the church is pretty accepting of young people singing in the choir and, and singing in you know, little Christmas musicals and talent shows. And so you often have the opportunity to sing in front of people. And so people start to notice the ones that stand out pretty quickly. And so people started to notice that about me when I was pretty young and it didn't hurt. 10,
0: 12, 14? Uh, younger,
1: um, eight, nine. It didn't hurt that my mother was the choir director mm-hmm. and my grandmother was the organist and my grandfather was the pastor. So I was you know, just uh, born and raised in the church and born and raised in gospel music. And so that was a huge portion of uh, my musical upbringing. It was about 100% or 90% of the opportunities I had to perform in front of mm-hmm. people was in the church.
0: Like anybody who makes it big in business, you have a decision to make about what other things that you're gonna be involved with. Michael yeah. Jordan famously once said, I'm not very political because Republicans buy sneakers too. too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I happen to know that Republicans listen to all of me because I heard it at a <laughs> wedding of Republican friends last year. Uh, why did, have you decided to lend your celebrity, your time, your money to so many political causes?
1: I can't help it. Honestly, it's probably not good for business. It's probably alienating some people, and I understand that, but I think it's worth the risk for me because I care enough about these issues that I can't just be silent. I care about me being an honest person, me being an authentic person, me living in my truth, and part of my truth is caring about these issues and speaking out about them when I care. It would be too hard for me to be silent for it, about it. I just, I just couldn't do it. Um, it's not in my constitution. <laughs> so... It's interesting because when I was 15, I wrote an essay. It was for a um, black history essay competition, and, and the question was, how are you going to make black history? And I, I literally said, I'm going to become a famous musician, and I'm going to use my platform to fight for justice and equality and, and give back to my community. So I've wanted to do this since I was young. I'm living in what I've always wanted to do and, and, and living in the truth that, as I see it and if that loses me some fans it's okay because i feel like it's easier for me to be honest it's better for me to be honest and authentic and i think a lot of my fans appreciate that about me because you want your artists to be honest you want them to be as uh, paul robeson called us the gatekeepers of
0: truth let me ask you about criminal justice which has been an issue Mm -hmm. for your foundation for the last several years you talked about a family of choir directors and pastors Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you don't have a lot of experience with the criminal justice system oh, we in do. your family. We but do, actually. Do yeah. you, is there a personal connection to that issue for you, friends, family, anything?
1: My mother was uh, in and out of jail for uh, a period during my adolescence. She had a drug problem, and it resulted in her getting in trouble with the police and going to jail. I have cousins, uh, close family friends that have all been through the system, in-laws, all kinds of folks in my family have been affected by it, and what we find when... When someone gets locked up, it's not just the individual that's getting locked up. Uh, Their family is paying that price too. They're losing the income that that uh, person might generate. They're losing the love and the support of that family member uh, when it comes to child rearing and all the other things you want a family to do. And it just makes life a lot harder for everybody. So when individuals get locked up, their families get locked up with them for all intents and purposes.
0: Have you ever either as a kid or since had the experience of going to visit a family member in uh jail? Yes,
1: absolutely. And I visited folks that aren't family members of mine as well uh, through my uh, work in, in, in my organization. And you just begin to understand that this is a big thing. Uh, we're the most incarcerated country in the world. By far, it's not even close. Russia, China, all these countries we think of as repressive and, and you know less free than us mm-hmm. are actually more free in, by that metric. And so really, the big conversation is, what kind of society do we want to be? Do we want to be one that focuses so much on, uh, on punitive measures? Um, we spend tens of thousands of dollars per inmate per uh, year on incarcerating people. Or do we want to spend that money on something else? Something that will prevent people from getting into a life of crime, like education, good health care, good mental health care, uh, good drug treatment programs for people who uh, have an addiction problem. I believe we should invest in those more edifying programs rather than uh, more punitive programs.
0: Let me ask you about the criminal uh, justice reform issue. There are a lot of components to it. The cash bail system, Mm -hmm. rates of incarceration, Mm -hmm. application of the death penalty, police practices, voting rights. What does it all add up to as a whole and Mm -hmm. paint a picture of what happens if, in fact, the society tackles it as a whole?
1: Well, it's hard to tackle as a whole because we don't have one criminal justice system. We have a bunch of criminal justice systems. We have sheriffs, we have police, we have uh, district attorneys, we have judges, we have uh, state laws, we have federal laws, and all of this, this kind of patchwork of, of laws and, and practices um, make up what uh, the, the kind of overall criminal justice system. So it's hard to tackle any big thing nationally.
0: Now one of the reasons that Democrats have become more aggressive uh, about discussing this issue is that there is some bipartisan support and so you've got the Koch brothers who are uh, involved in this, Mm -hmm. you've got the White House from time to time expresses an interest. Have you worked with the Koch brothers, with Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump on these issues?
1: There are issues where um, our interests have aligned uh, with the Koch brothers, and they've supported the same measures that we've supported. I don't know that we've explicitly worked together on anything, but there are things that we both agree on that we've both supported at the same time. So uh, it's kind of hasn't been explicit hand in hand. But what we've about agreed, the White House? We've agreed on certain things. We haven't worked with the White House at all. I know my friend Kim has gone to the White House, A Kardashian has gone to the White House and, and spoken about clemency for certain people. And we're all for more clemency when it's appropriate. And we believe not in just doing it kind of one-on-one one, on one and one-by-one, and one, but thinking of a more holistic approach, particularly... Uh, you and your
0: wife don't have the best Twitter relationship with the president.
1: We don't. And, uh, you know, we, we don't think he's a good human being or a good president. But, um, you know, he's in charge right now. And that means he has some power. And uh, I believe it's not wrong to discuss these things with someone who's in power to make a difference if we think it can actually... Uh, help uh, people that need the help.
0: Trump routinely says he has produced record low levels of African-American mm-hmm. unemployment, uh, well, female think, unemployment. Are you impressed in any way by the Trump Well, economy? I think
1: very similar to his business success, he often claims credit for things that were handed to him. Mm-hmm. We've seen with the New York Times article in, in kind of excruciating detail how much of his fortune was actually from his father giving him hundreds of millions of dollars. And he sold himself as self-made and getting a small loan. And then similarly with the Obama economy, which as everyone who's paying attention remembers, it was in the basement uh, in 2009. The economy had crashed, Lehman Brothers, all these things happened. And unemployment was over 10%, I believe. And by the time he was out of office, it was around 5%. And the economy had grown quite a bit in that time period. The recession was over, and not enough people were doing well in that situation, but still a lot of progress had been made from, from a really terrible, terrible uh, bottoming out of the economy. Of course, Trump is taking credit for all that progress, and as it's continued to progress under his administration, because he hasn't done enough to mess it up yet, he's taking credit for all of it. And you know, politicians do that. Um, they take credit for however the economy's doing at the time, as long as it's good. And I think anybody that's paid attention to what's happened understands the story behind it. But, you know, it's a good headline for him. I'm never going to be upset that more people are working, the economy is growing, and I think that's a great thing. We just have to understand a little more about the cause and effect.
0: Throughout the Obama and Trump presidencies, American politics have grown increasingly polarized by race, often bitterly. I asked Legend if that worried him about Florida's Amendment 4 since people of color represent a disproportionate share of those whose voting rights would be restored.
1: Well, I think the great thing about Amendment 4, it's, it's a unifier. It's, it's 1.5 million people in Florida that are disenfranchised now that wouldn't be if Amendment 4 passes. And like you said, the majority of those folks are white. Uh, 30% of them are black. So that means there's a lot of folks that will be affected by this, a lot of families. They're going to be, some of them are going to be Trump voters, some of them are going to be Hillary voters, and some of them probably didn't even vote or even think to vote uh, before and might be independent. So it's not clear whose advantage it's going to be on a partisan level, but it's better for us. It's better for all of us if our citizens are voting. Because what that means is they're bought into the idea of our democracy they're bought into being upstanding community members and they paid their debt to society they've some of them 75 percent of them never even had to go to prison so they committed a felony but it wasn't even serious enough for them to get prison time so they're being punished long after uh, they committed the crime for the rest of their life they're not allowed to vote and so what we're saying is let's bring them back into the community they're working, they're paying taxes, they're uh, uh, in other ways uh, participating in society, why would we exclude them from the most important role they have as a citizen, which is to participate in democracy? And for us, this is a unifier. It's an everybody issue. It's an every family issue.
0: Are you not concerned about a late attempt by the president to take it down? Well, let's not, uh, you know,
1: hope he doesn't watch this. (laughs) Don't, don't say anything to him. Okay? No, honestly, uh, <laughs> honestly, I believe it's a bipartisan issue. The Koch brothers are for it. Uh, a range of, of conservative activists are for it. Even the team that's advocating for it as far as the uh, the folks on the ground from the Florida uh, Rights Restoration Co- Coalition, they're a bipartisan group. I think everybody can get behind this bill. It, it would be the biggest re-enfranchisement in, since the civil rights era.
0: A lot of the debate that i am talking about has to do with our national identity. And on the one side, you've got uh, a a party that is less diverse and one that's more diverse. Your own household, you've got African-American, Norwegian, Thai, Mm -hmm. uh, through uh, your wife, Chrissy Teigen. Mm -hmm. Do you think your side, the diverse side of that debate about what our country is and what it will be, is winning or not winning right now? Well,
1: I think... The demographics are what they are. But what I believe is that the Republicans and Democrats should be thinking about, how do I win these voters over? They shouldn't assume that black people are going to vote for Democrats and Hispanics are going to vote for Democrats and white people are going to vote for Republicans. They should be thinking, well, these things are not set in stone. What do I need to do to win their votes? And what kind of programs can I do that benefit all Americans? And We're in Florida what can we do to benefit all Floridians? And so I think the parties should stop kind of taking it as a given that they have a lock on a certain racial group, and say, what well, What do I need to do to uh, govern better? To uh, present a sales pitch to my community to say that I'm I'm a candidate for all the people? I think if we continue to kind of divide ourselves and say these folks are going to vote this way and these folks are going to vote that way, we're not accounting for the fact that people can change and that we can convince people to come to our side if we have a good agenda for them
0: legend's friend kanye west supports trump and when legend recently sent him a private text offering different political arguments west posted it on social media i asked legend why that happened
1: well i'm not going to try to explain why he does anything you know I, i don't have the degrees to explain all the things that he does i feel like I was a bit shocked that he shared the, the text exchange between us.
0: You did not expect that to happen. I did not you, it, was spo- it was a private conversation between friends. It was a private text
1: conversation between us. But I also was proud of everything I said, yeah. and I stood behind everything I said, and I, I didn't mind that people knew that we were having that conversation.
0: Do you think he's grappling with the arguments that you made? I think sometimes
1: he is, but I, I think a lot of times I don't think he's done a lot of the, the work and the research to really understand what's going on. And so I feel like a lot of times he presents opinions that are a little bit undercooked.
0: And, and is that just a publicity thing? Like he likes the attention no, I, I and wants he, people I to focus on it? I think genuinely,
1: he's being himself.
0: We're in this Kavanaugh movement right now, which has reawakened mm-hmm. the, the uh, Me Too movement. There have been a lot of big figures in the entertainment industry, Weinstein, Moonves, mm-hmm. Cosby, who have gone down yes. in that movement. Is it correct for people to say that uh, this is a, an issue that is especially problematic in the entertainment industry more than elsewhere, maybe because if you're a star, they let you do it.
1: Well, I think there's particular issues in the entertainment business, I think partly because the casting process and other aspects of the industry lend themselves to people kind of using their power to convince people to have sex with them or convince them that they, they can make their career if they do certain things. And I think the entertainment business lends itself to that a little more than other businesses. It's happening all over the country, all over the world. I think the entertainment industry is obviously going to get more attention because the people are famous and the people who are victims are famous. So we've gotten more attention, but this is a bigger problem. And it's the idea that women can't be just judged on the merits of their work or uh, the quality of their character, but they're often seen as sex objects and their employment and, and their other, their other um, involvement in the economy mm-hmm. sometimes is dependent on how men think of them sexually. I think it's clear that more people are paying attention to this issue now, more men are paying attention, and of course more women are, and more women are speaking out about it, and I think that's a welcome change. It's a, it's a change that I think will make the world better for my daughter when she grows up and wants to get a job in whatever industry she wants to get it in. It'll make it better for all of them, and it'll make it better for my son, too. He'll understand what the rules of the road are, and he'll treat women hopefully in a way where they're equals and they're not merely judged on how they look but on what they can contribute to the team.
0: I uh, I read an article where you would said that um, your wife Chrissy makes you bolder in terms mm-hmm. of speaking out on issues. Yeah, Explain that. How is that?
1: Well, she's just more... Uh, you know she's more obviously more dynamic and I'm more kind of laid-back and reserved she's a
0: little sassier than yes
1: her. exactly I've kind of like it's kind of rubbed off of me a little bit I've been a little less reserved with some of my opinions since we've been together
0: legend led his celebrity to Barack Obama's breakthrough candidacy in 2008 but the nation's first african-american president provoked a backlash among white voters I asked Legend if he shared the concern of some Democrats that nominating an African-American in 2020 might be too politically risky.
1: I don't think it it matters as much what the demographic of that person is. It's going to be the quality of that candidate. Are they speaking to issues that uh, people care about? Are they able to spar with President Trump? Because he has a unique kind of uh, campaigning style and debating style. And you have to be tough, and you have to be—you have to be witty. You have to be uh, quick on your feet, and you have to be a, a great communicator and, and really a great marketer, like he is, to compete on that level. There, there could be plenty of candidates that we agree with on a policy level that may not be able to perform at the level that they'll need to 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 win these arguments. And so, I think my kind of metrics for how I'm going to get engaged with the primary process is. Do I see a candidate that stands out when it comes to their ability to challenge President Trump? Well, you because I, I think we'll agree on most of the issues with right. all of these folks. Um, so I want to see who's going to be able to engage with their opponent in a way, and with the and with the uh, and with the voters in a way that will win the argument.
0: Well, as you look at the fairly large number mm-hmm. of Democrats who are looking at this, mm-hmm. uh, at first blush, do you see anybody who? meets that test that you described? I think there
1: are a few. Well, I I know that Bernie Sanders could do it. I know that Elizabeth Warren could do it. I, I believe Kamala Harris could do it. I believe there's a few folks that I think have the ability to have this conversation and win the argument. Joe Biden could do it. I think all those folks could win the argument. And so I'm just going to see how it plays out before I kind of pick the... my horse. (laughs) But
0: in terms of of race as a factor, Mm -hmm. you don't see that as that important at this point.
1: I think it could be a factor, but I think it will depend on the quality of the Mm candidate. So for instance, I think Kamala Harris is fantastically qualified, she's really presents well she speaks really well she is proven uh, to be a great prosecutor on the on the uh, senate judiciary committee and she's the type of person that i think can make the argument but I also believe elizabeth warren could make the argument and i believe bernie and i believe joe biden could make the argument too so we'll see we'll see how it plays out i believe there are people on the on the left that can make the argument and make the case that we should go in a different direction and and do it well
0: let me go back to your 15-year-old essay, uh, mm-hmm. or your, your childhood uh, thought about wanting to be president. There are some people who are making the argument that Donald Trump has changed the political rules such that you need somebody with celebrity star power to compete. So people talk about Oprah Winfrey, for mm-hmm. example. Do you think a celebrity candidate is a good idea? And whether now or in the future, is this something that you entertain at all?
1: I don't want to be president, and I will never run for president. I, I know that for a fact. Now, How do you know I, that? I just know I won't. <laughs> but I do believe sometimes there's a place for people who already have name recognition and are already loved by the people to run for office. And and it's funny, the Republicans hate when celebrities talk about politics, but they've been the ones that have elected all the, the celebrities. They've elected Donald Trump and Ronald Reagan. And on the left, we've elected usually career politicians uh, and people that are a little more wonky. So... There's an argument to be made that, you know, the left shouldn't always uh, go for the wonky person uh, and get somebody who is more of a celebrity. But honestly, I feel like the Trump administration is an argument against that. Mm -hmm. Uh, He won, but once we see how he's governed, he's not very good at actually governing and understanding how to use the levers of power very well, even understanding the basics of policy. I would like my president to know the issues really well. I'm not saying a celebrity can't know them, but I would like someone that understands how government works and can actually be effective in the office.
0: So you're not trying to draft Oprah into the 2020 race?
1: The thing is, she's brilliant and she probably could learn anything, but that's not what she does right now. And I'd be hesitant to elect anybody that has to learn on the job about how the government works and have some really well-formed ideas about what they want to do in office.
0: Do you get a lot of grief from people on the other side politically that, you know, why are you speaking out? You don't know what you're talking about. You, you know, a dilettante on issues, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, well, we get it a lot of ways. So, you know, of course, you've seen people like Laura Ingram tell LeBron to shut up and dribble. Mm-hmm. And, and in general... Has anybody
0: told you to shut up and sing? Of
1: course they've told me to shut up and sing. And in general, I think Hollywood, when it comes to actors and entertainers, more of us uh, lean toward the left than toward the right. And so the right has kind of, kind of taken on this idea that celebrities should shut up. Of course, they just elected a celebrity who hosted, you know, celebrity apprentice of all shows. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't think they actually believe that celebrities should shut up. They just want celebrities to agree with them. And if they don't agree with them, they want them to shut up. So they're happy to have Ted Nugent on their network. They're happy to have, you know... uh, You know, whatever B list actors they've had on their network, they'll they'll take anybody that will come to them. They're they're so happy that Kanye is on Team MAGA now and they're embracing it. So they don't want you to shut up. They want you to shut up if you don't agree with them. So that argument
0: doesn't carry much weight with you. That
1: argument doesn't carry any weight. And and the bottom line is I'm not from Hollywood. I live in Hollywood now. I grew up in Springfield, Ohio. My dad was a factory worker. My mother stayed at home with us and, and tailored on the side. I grew up in the church. I know where a lot of these folks come from. I am a middle American. I am from the same kind of upbringing that a lot of folks in middle America have come up in. So calling me a Hollywood liberal is is kind of uh, deleting the first half of my life. I know uh, what it's like to be a Midwesterner in a blue collar family. I carry a lot of that memory with me, that's why I'm active in issues of of education reform and criminal justice reform, because I know what it's like to be in a family that's dealing with these issues and affected by these issues. So when I talk about these things, I'm not coming in from, you know, Hollywood Hills and Beverly Hills uh, with my opinions, I'm coming from Ohio with these opinions.
0: John Legend, thanks so much for doing this, it's a pleasure. That's it for this edition of the Speakeasy Podcast, thanks for listening. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us your feedback. We care about what you think. Talk soon.